Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, what are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing? still uh, I've still been banished from uh, my cabin because the electricity isn't working. Uh, it, it, it it turns out it wasn't my fault. It wasn't me drilling into the walls trying it's to sample my little studio. So look, I'm just saying, Chris, have a crack drilling your walls in your in your studio. <laughs> what I like about the the size of your um, studio is so kind of hefty. So what part of the studio <laughs> are you sat in now? Because like this one looks quite big, or is this just one corner of it? I'm I'm sitting in uh, Happy Town Happy Town Square I like to call it. My studio is so big. Yeah. It's like Disneyland, Pete. I've got Happy Town Square. <laughs> I've got f- f- fucking fun Chris, sofa Chris, quarter. Fucking fun fucking fun <laughs> sofa <laughs> quarter. You want to stick with I've, that, dear? Sounds I've got like you're filming something land. very different. Oh, green yeah. screen land. Lovely. Green screen over there. Yeah. You've just seen a, 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 <laughs> a, a lot of bottles of calpis, a lot of sake over there, Chris. Is everything all right it's at all, mate? It's for a video, Pete. It's for a video. I'm, I'm a content creator. It's for a video. That's that's why they, I removed my leg, because I drank too much. It's for a video. I'm just enjoying sitting here in my fully powered studio with all the electricity mm. I can get. Oh, shut up. Shut while up. your you, studio you, sits in darkness. It's a different. It's a different hurt system. A lot of people on Twitter were very concerned that I'd bought a uh, a rice cooker from Japan and I'd uh, and I'd forgotten that um, <laughs> I'd forgotten that there is a different uh, power system over there. I mean, to be fair, I think half isn't half the country on fifty hertz and the other half is on sixty hertz. I think that's the case, and they they all kind of run on different systems. Very, yeah, very I'm weird. not sure. I'm not entirely sure where the delineating line is. I think it's around Tokyo. So, so oh, Tokyo. Right, yeah. And the east is on one hertz, mm. and then sort of the west in Osaka is on the other hertz. Do you, so do when you run I, into problems taking stuff kind of south of south of Osaka? I have done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So when you film with a camera, you have to change the shutter speed and the frame rate a little bit. Otherwise, you get camera right. flicker sometimes. So if yes, you come into okay. Japan, guys, filming, mm. bear that in mind, because there's nothing worse than having flicker in your images. But uh, mm. yeah, it's a very strange thing. I'm not entirely mm. sure why that is. I know? think it was because uh, when Japan were it was electrifying everything, they yep. bought some of their stuff from the US and some of their stuff from Europe. I want to say it's yeah, that. It's basically yeah. they got it from two different places. Uh, so the north of the country chose uh, one particular system and the, and the other one. But yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Less of an issue now because I think uh, a lot of um, the, the innards of a lot of electronics can deal with both because they mm. they, they get um, taken all around the world. But my um, my rice cooker was an export only uh japanese product so uh, it was already um absolutely fine i've only ever fallen foul of the whole step down uh transformer uh business before uh it was when i bought an xbox in america an xbox one like some 10 years ago uh, uh, and then brought it home completely forgot that i'd need a step down or a step up or whatever the hell it was uh and everything went bang <laughs> oh no Luckily, it only fried the power supply have you used your beloved rice cooker yet? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ooh. it's uh, it's bubbling away now. It's warming some. It's just so good. Like cup of rice, you like you got this little measuring thing. Sticks, fill it with rice. Chuck it in there. 
and uh, and then it's got if it's one cup, there's like a little there's a little uh, there's a little mark on the on the ball for how much water you put in for one cup, two cup, three cup, etc. etc. Uh, sorry if you said one cup. I know that probably makes you very excited because you're a Saki enthusiast now. Uh, oh and, dear, yeah. um, and <laughs> got issues. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just it, it cooks it. I mean, once it's cooked, uh, finished cooking, it just keeps it warm for like twelve hours. So I've, I just have rice all day. Big rice boy. <laughs> I it's think just, you should start a YouTube channel or, or just a brand called Rice to See You. And it's yeah. Pete Donaldson <laughs> cooking various forms of rice in his bedroom, <laughs> in his studio that's got no electricity because he drilled a hole through the wall. I'd be great. <laughs> rice to uh, See You with Pete Donaldson. I think, I think uh, that guy who, <laughs> that Malaysian slash American chap, I think, who uh, we, I had a meeting with him once. A nice chap. Um, he plays a character called Uncle... Ken or something, I think Uncle something, and he plays like this kind of like uh, uh, a, like Uncle with a very heavy Chinese accent, and he uh, and he reviews people cooking uh, Asian food, and he just got, got he just he just just absolutely rails on people like Gordon Ramsay, people like uh, Jamie <laughs> Oliver, saying you you're cooking it wrong. Where's the MSG? Oh, uh, Uncle Roger, <laughs> Uncle Roger, that's the Uncle guy. Roger. I think his podcast it might be called Rice to See You. I think, I think it. Oh. Either way. And there was me thinking I was clever and original, yeah, and I've probably sorry, just mate. seen it and stolen it. It's the story of the Abroad <laughs> Japan channel, isn't it? It's it ideas really is. stolen the world over and repurposed <laughs> and presented by a sarcastic British twat in a room. We've got a story this week <laughs> by Axel. Uh, hi, Chris and mm. Pete. I'm Axel from Sweden. Here's cool. a semi-dark story from back in 2010 when I lived in Gifu while studying at a language school. I love Gifu. Gifu's a... Uh, Mm. One of the most mountainous prefectures in Japan. We went there on Journey Across mm. Japan 2. It's where cities like Takayama can be found. Um, Axel continues, I went to Nagoya for nights out where we frequented a small bar called Misfits. Uh, since Misfits had a very generous nomi hodai or you can drink where three hours of stiff drinks only set us back a thousand yen, about $10. Mm. Very reasonable. Axel, very reasonable indeed. After a quite indulgent night at Misfits, I was going to sleep at a friend's place. However, due to our alcohol-induced confusion, we ended up losing sight of each other uh, in the night. I knew what part of town my friend lived in, but had never visited his home. This, of course, posed a bit of a problem. I was optimistic, and took a, but I was optimistic, and I took a taxi to the general neighbourhood that he lived in. Upon arriving, I tried calling my friend until I finally accepted my fate of being stranded in a strange part of Nagoya for the next four <laughs> to five hours on a cold November night until the trains back to Gifu started running again. I started the rest <laughs> of the night uh, while with finding a conveni where I could buy some onigiri rice balls to sober up a bit. Upon exiting the store, I ran into a Japanese girl who asked if I knew any other convenience stores in the area uh, since she couldn't refill her prepaid phone SIM card. Already red flags here. Nobody, mm. a Japanese girl's never come up to me in nine years. So that's always a, a red flag. Um, I directed the girl to a Lawson that I'd seen earlier and started walking the streets in search of a capsule hotel or something of the sort. On the way there, I met the same girl again who asked what a strange, bearded, long-haired Scandinavian was doing in a very much unlively part of town at that hour. I explained the situation to the best of my abilities. The girl was perplexed, but also seemed sympathetic to my conundrum and invited me to her house. Now, red flags are getting even redder. Uh, my risk assessment abilities, being quite impaired by alcohol, I accepted. 
After walking for a while through some back streets, we came to her apartment and she invited me in. As I entered, I realized that the place was very empty, except for a large television, a cortazza table, like a heated table that you can sit under, uh, a cupboard for futons, and her French bulldog. Bloody hell. The first hour or so, we spent talking and watching anime. While she drank beer and I drank water and ate my onigiri rice balls. Except for her being very vague about what her job was, she just said that she worked in business. Uh, She was nice enough. After an hour or so, she pulled out two futons and placed them a metre or two apart. We both fell asleep, me with the bulldog snoozing next to my head. The morning after, I woke up quite early and I felt that I had to leave. I thanked her for the hospitality. I grabbed my last onigiri rice ball from the fridge. No longer being drunk, I realised that her fridge was empty except for a small pack of umeboshi um, plums, sour plums. I also realised that the bulldog seemed way too thin and had a litter box uh, that it was not very good at using. I left once again, thanking her, but also feeling sad over what I just witnessed. Uh, anyway, thanks for the podcast, guys, and easing my Japan withdrawal during the pandemic. All the best. Axel. That's a, that's a, what the, that's a weird story. It, it, that is a weird it, story. What the hell is I going like on there? There's a bit missing. <laughs> What's going on? So you go to the house, uh, you sleep at the house, and then you wake up, and then you feel bad because she's not got much in her fridge. Uh, it would it be fair to say, though, that um, Japanese people who uh, live in small apartments don't, uh, they eat, probably possibly eat out a lot and uh, eat food that they bring in every single evening, so they don't necessarily store a lot of um, fridge stuff. You know what I mean? Because I eat quite well. Certainly when I lived alone, I, I ate quite well, uh, and uh, I never had anything in my fridge apart from a bottle of Campari and maybe some butter. Mm, mm. Um, it's a good night in, tell you what. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just think, back I just to think maybe house. that's <laughs> that's not fridge. necessarily that's not necessarily uh, an issue. But yeah, it's strange, a strange story. I mean, if if I was the girl and I invited you back to my house, mm. you'd be like sleeping in a pile of socks and some <laughs> crisp packets. Yeah, I'll just move the crisp packets, move the crisps <laughs> and the socks, and uh, <laughs> just just use the socks as a pillow. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing. Because it started off, didn't it? Axel was like, here's a semi-dark story. I don't know Mm. if there's anything dark about it, you know. Uh, I think she was probably, maybe she just moved into the house. Maybe, clearly she was a little bit of an odd character to invite like a Scandinavian man back Mm. to her house, just randomly. It's it's a risk, inviting anyone back to your house. But um, look, good on her, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to feel yeah. about that. I it's mean, like, a, it's a semi-dark the Axel, story. The way Axel described it, he referred to himself as a strange, bearded, long-haired Scandinavian. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe she thought, oh, it could be fun. I mean, Axel, talk about... Yeah. Talk about, <laughs> talk about <laughs> Sweden. I don't know. I'm like, from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> I just, she, she probably told the story to her friends. Oh, mm. some guy helped me find a phone, a place to get my phone SIM card, mm. and I invited him back, and he put all his onigiri in the fridge and played with my dog. <laughs> Like yeah. somewhere out there, somewhere out there, there's a Japanese girl with a great story that equals Ooh. Axel's, but we get it from a completely different perspective. There's a gigantic <laughs> man in my house. Love it. <laughs> I'd love to hear her. If she's listening, which she's not, I'd like to hear her side of the story. Um, this week in the news, uh, people of Kansai, Kansai is like Osaka and Kyoto and that mm. sort of area, Kobe. Mm. Turns out people in Kansai are more genetically predisposed to liking coffee than anywhere else in Japan. It's pretty cool, yeah, isn't it? That's Apparently there's a gene 
there's a gene um, called ALDH2, which controls mm. the enzymes used in alcoholic met- metabolism. Um, mm. This is the same gene that results in redness that appears on the faces of many, of e- of many East Asians who partake of alcohol, uh, mm. but it's now believed to be related to a number of traits, from alcohol dependence to quality of sleep. Um, for example, according to Tokyo-based genome data analysis, the RS671 genotype uh, has a relation to the amount of coffee someone likes to consume on a daily basis. Um, apparently, they used data of 20,000 people from all over Japan and found which prefectures have the most and least number of genetically predisposed coffee lovers. And they did a map, and the number one place was, uh, well, it was, the, it was the Kansai region. There was yeah. a stronger con- concentration of people in the West uh, who liked coffee and loved coffee, um, which is interesting because I feel like when you think of coffee, you often think of Tokyo. There's a real mm. coffee craze in Tokyo at the moment. Um, but I mean, I, I, it's, it's really interesting learning about all these different genes and things mm. and coffee. I mean, I mean <laughs> what do you make of it all, Pete? I like that. I like that the uh, I like that the. Uh, I mean, I presume this funding, this um, this whole research was funded by boss coffee or something so they know <laughs> where to it? spend all of their marketing dollars no point in in using any of their dollars in kagawa or saga uh, but uh, wakayama uh, you, you'd put all your eggs in that uh, particular marketing basket wouldn't you because everybody knows coffee there they're genetically wakayama. predisposed to do so mm. i mean the apparently the the place is less susceptible to uh, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee okinawa and hokkaido so the sort yeah. of the most north the most south of Japan are not big on coffee, so the crab. Make of that the, what you will. Where the crabs come from? Does Okinawa have good crabs? Or, um, Hokkaido have massive <laughs> bloody crabs, don't they? Huge Hokkaido things. does Huge have crabs. Things. They're big crab guys. They're crab crab uh, <laughs> crab soup guys. That's what that's what they're into. They like the smell of that. <laughs> oh, Chris, oh, yeah. did you? Um, speaking of speaking of news, did you see that? Um, speaking of crabs, uh, Japan, Japan. Speaking of crabs, uh, did you see that uh, Japan? Uh, maybe uh, I think I'm making uh, some changes. Uh, it's called opening up the country because uh, obviously uh, it's very hard for people to get into Japan really? at the moment. Uh, they're, they're open, yeah, they're, they're opening up the country, Chris. They've reduced uh, the huh. amount of time you've got to um, stay in uh, isolation um, from 14 days uh, to 10 days, and and. I think oh. we can both agree, Chris, oh. that is a huge, oh. huge step forward for opening up God the country sakes. again. They've done really well. 10 days, Chris. They've reduced it from 12 wow. or 14 to 10 days. It, re- it really is. They really are being great with, with everyone, aren't they? Oh, God. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's rubbish. I mean, that's, it sucks. <laughs> it really... I hope they sort it out. Because <laughs> right now, I get 500 people a day ask me, when is Japan mm. going to reopen? When can I come back mm. to Japan? When can I book my holiday? And I don't know. And, and nobody knows, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it seems like most of the countries are sort of getting back to normal now. Like I, I think I spoke to Connor the other day who went back to the UK. That's where yeah. you are. You were mere, a mere 150 miles from Connor at one point. You could have reached <laughs> out, you could have touched him. Um, but he said the UK was, was kind of normal, right? People weren't wearing yes. face masks anymore and, and no. whatnot. Whereas here... I think face masks are here to stay for about two years. I read that uh, we're sort of expected here to wear masks out and about everyday life yeah. for two years. Well, I, n- I noticed when you guys were walking around uh, Sendai, um, when you walked through like a <clears throat> a small street, you would put your masks on. But when you were out in the, yeah, open, yeah, like yeah. the park, you had your masks off. I mean, if it's a relatively spacious area, then you're, you're okay. But it's mm. awkward because most people here do keep their masks on 
when they're out and about. You could be, I was in the middle of Yogi Park about a week ago, mm. and you know, there's people there with masks on still. And it's just like, oh, come on. Like, wear them indoors, weather on trains, public transport, sure, no problem. But out and about yeah. in a park, I mm. think you can take it off. Because right. I, you know, I get masks. I, I know they're important and they're, they've, they've done a lot of good. But mm. they're also quite dehumanizing and I hate them. Uh, but of course, because like before, before COVID, before last year, I'd never worn a mask in Japan ever. I'd never mm. worn one. Um, and so I've had to really adapt to it. In the winter, it's not as bad because it's cold and it's nice to keep your face warm. But in summer, when it reaches like 38 degrees Celsius and you've got to put a bit of fabric over your face, it's like the most unpleasant thing. And uh, <laughs> and when I when I wear glasses when I'm out and about, and I get, they just get steamed up and it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah, well, um, it sucks. Well, the information is so <clears throat> Japan's health ministry has agreed to loosen entry restrictions for visitors to the country who can provide evidence of being fully vaccinated against the coronavirus. Uh, travelers mm. will have to show proof of getting the Pfizer, uh, Moderna or AstraZeneca vaccines. Uh, they're the only ones currently accepted in Japan. So uh, if you had China's Sinopharm or Sinopharm uh, and Johnson & Johnson in the US, which is obviously a big one for them, uh, the, you're out of luck, unfortunately. Luck. Uh, yeah. So eligible travelers will no, ha- uh, no longer have to endure a 14-day quarantine uh, they can do 10. And at the end of the 10-day period, uh-huh. they must take a PCR test. If that test comes back negative, you can move about freely. So it sounds like you can get there, but you 10 days. It's that 10 days. And that's expensive. Oh, yeah. that expensive. I don't think it's open to tourist visas still, though, right? So oh, I don't think right, you could okay. come over. Is it? You know. I see. Okay. You know, otherwise you could. We could, like, you come over. <laughs> I could, like, you could sit in my studio for 10 days and <laughs> eat, drink your one-cup sake for drink a week. one-cup sake. And then be yeah, unleashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But okay. I, I think... Tourist visas are still a no-go. I could be wrong, right. but I need to look into that. But uh, mm. that's not yeah. ideal, right? If you're coming as a tourist, to have to sit in a room for 10 days. Oh, sorry, expense. yeah. So it's so I think it's visitors from uh, Australia, Brunei, China, New Zealand, South Korea, Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam. Uh, I don't not think you, anybody then. else. Not me then. Not me then, no. But from, <laughs> I, I know Connor was in quarantine because he came back from the UK. I think he was in quarantine for three days at a hotel, and then he could do the rest, the sort of the last 10 his days house. at his house. Right, which okay, I, I think he enjoyed because he did some sort of marathon of Twitch. But uh, right. it's not ideal. No. But again, guys, you'll be the first to know when there is a change. We will, I will fucking dance through the streets. I'll make videos. <laughs> I'll make a song. I'll make a sequel to Too Much Volcano. <laughs> discussing and singing about how happy I am that Japan is, is open again. But uh, mm. yeah, the country has no qualms about being shut off to the world. And mm. uh, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, I think. But uh, <laughs> I never know. I think next year we can put this whole coronavirus stuff behind us because it's driving me mad mm. as it is i'm sure for for many of you indeed and you we, we can only hop we can only hop mm. we're back in a moment with the fax machine your questions and stories hello i'm hazel hayes and i'm she and todd and welcome to our brand new podcast we're not fucking historians it sounds like i'm saying we're not fucking historians yeah we're saying we're not experts we're not historians ourselves not that we're not having sex with historians no historians getting fucked on this pod zero historians getting fucked on this podcast we are in fact your alternative guide to irish history Every week we prize open the history books and find a new tale from the Emerald Isle's colourful past. We're exploring Ireland's traditions, its rich heritage and its long, proud history of being invaded by literally anyone with a boat. 
the Vikings were showing up at the monastery going, where's that booty? The earliest booty it's call. <laughs> it's the booty call you didn't want. <laughs> 50 Scandinavian Vikings showed up. Or our biggest celeb, St. Paddy. He says he prayed up to 100 times a day and sometimes during the night. <laughs> That's what a five-year-old would say. I prayed 100 times, I swear. Patrick also said he was fastest in his slippers. <laughs> He's a fucking belly bullshitter. <laughs> if, like us, you're the kind of person who's interested in history, but not so interested that you'd go read a book about it or listen to actual experts, then this is the show for you. This is history done differently, with a couple of facts and plenty of crack. So, join us on our journey through Ireland's past. Search We're Not Fucking Historians on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember... We're not, we're fucking, not fucking historians. <laughs> Sorry, I was far too fast. We're not fucking historians. Is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. And we're back with the fax machine. What have we got this week from our listeners, Mister Donaldson? I got a message from Rob. Hello, gentlemen. And Chris. Um, I was listening to the podcast when <laughs> I heard Pete mention that he booked a holiday at Tenerife. Well, actually, I live there right now. And funnily enough, Ooh. there's been actually quite a uh, quite a volcanic eruption on one of our neighboring islands of La Palma. That got me thinking, though, has there ever been a, an eruption in Japan uh, whilst you've been there? And have you seen if so? If not, are there any active volcanoes that are likely to erupt sometime soon? All the best. I look forward to the next episode. Rob. Have you ever had any kind of eruptions? Well, when uh, when Joey and I flew over um, Sakurajima Volcano and Journey Across Japan mm. 3, like a week later, it, it did erupt. And mm. uh, it's pretty fiery, explosive mess. Like if our plane had been going over at that point in time, oh, we, we probably would have been blown out the sky. And the, the last video I would have had would have been me just screaming in the back of a Cessna going, Fuck! Why don't we do this? Um, there was also... A really big eruption a few years ago on Mount Ontake. I think it was mm. 2014, maybe 2014 or 15. Mount, mm. It was 2014, sorry. Mount Ontake, Ontake in the Japan Alps. It erupted. Yes. And unfortunately, quite a few people died because uh, a lot of people were climbing up it. And there's some really harrowing and unpleasant images of like people sprinting down the mountainside while this plume of smoke, this like pyroclastic flow, is coming mm. down after them. It's really... It looks pretty uh, horrifying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can go up a lot of these volcanoes and hike and climb, and uh, you, you have to be bloody careful, though. You do it at your own mm. risk because they can erupt at any moment. Um, and every year I've been here, it's been said that Mount Fuji is overdue eruption. Mount Fuji is due mm. to erupt. I mean, I, I, that's going to be a hell of a day when that erupts. Yeah. Um, you might but, be able yeah, to find no, the bloody thing. <laughs> the, um, the last thing I, I, I see, yeah. I, I must. I mean, I must admit, Chris, I'm very impressed by the word, words uh, "pyroclastic." I've never even heard that word in my life. So, well done you for remembering that wrong. one. <laughs> big words, big words. When you get ver- Twitter verified, P. When you get Twitter <laughs> big verified, words, just you learn for... all the words. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Chris hey, and Pete, hey. uh, one of the top things I want to do is the Mount Fuji hike. <laughs> oh God! Oh, After dear. saying the last story, oh, no. uh, the Mount Fuji hike that Chris filmed himself doing. I've heard that this is only possible in July and August because it's way too cold at the summit otherwise. Do I absolutely have to be there during that time or is there a way up during the autumn months? Thank you guys for the content, Chris 
from Ohio. Uh, yes, you have to do it in either July, August, or I think September. There's a there's a window mm. as well. It does get very cold up there. I mean, even when I climbed in August, it got to like two or three degrees, I think, when I got up there. Mm. Uh, extremely cold. My friend George almost got frostbite. To be fair, he was wearing a T-shirt and shorts, so he, he had right. it coming, and I did warn him. But, <laughs> That's uh, ideal. Not ideal. Um, you, you can't really go up there in, in autumn. I think they close it off. I think it's illegal. I'm not entirely sure. We did have that mm. story last year, the tragic story of a man who did climb up Mount Fuji in October or November, and he was climbing a snowy ridge, doing a live stream, like you do, mm. and he live streamed his own death because he, he slid and he rolled down the ridge and he, you know, they found him a few days later, but it's, uh, it's mm. not ideal. It's very dangerous. Don't mm. go up there, Chris. Do it in July or August, for the love of God. Yes. Um, Be safe, Chris. Be safe. That's that's the Quite the motto of the Everyone Japan podcast. Mm. That's what we yeah. stand for. And one cup <laughs> sake. Yes, indeed. Hello to uh, Raj from Washington, D.C. Uh, ahoy, hoy. Hi, all, he says. Uh, with Halloween around the corner, I was wondering if either of you have had or know someone who has had any creepy experiences in Japan. Thanks so much for the podcast and all that you do. Creepy experiences. Chris, you've had so many. You're in a cave with a with a house centipede. Really big, really big stuff going on. <laughs> That's hardly a, like a haunted Halloween experience, though, is it? A, a quite haunted. Centipede. You seem quite haunted. It's horrible. <laughs> you that seem thing. very worried. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I haven't really. I think the the scariest thing was either it always been on, always been on with bloody Joey that abandoned tunnel mm. on journey across Japan yes. or uh, the abandoned love hotel which I later discovered, which was the first episode of Journey Across Japan 2, I later mm. discovered, I think somebody had died there, and it was supposed to be cursed, that abandoned love hotel. And mm. I, if I'd known that before going in, I might have been a little bit there. more reluctant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd been so keen to go in. So oh, well. I, I might be going to an abandoned hotel uh, in a few weeks with mm. Connor and Natsuki, though. So... They're finally going to meet a meeting of minds, um, but we could probably go to an abandoned hotel, and that'll be like a Halloween edition of Wacky Weekend, which is a series I do with Connor. Uh, yes. Yeah, in an abandoned hotel, so got that to look forward to, and hopefully there'll be no spooky goings on there, apart from Natsuki smoking in a corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. You've never. What about you, Pete? I mean, I've only been to like theme restaurants that uh, it's very much designed <laughs> to spook you out. I think the, um, I think that uh, abandoned uh, uh, marriage uh, venue, I think that, that wedding venue that we went to, that's quite spooky oh, yeah. just simply because what had happened uh, there. Nobody died, mm, but it was mm. a wonderful thing. Uh, it, you know, it saved a lot of people. And I, th- and I find anything abandoned is a bit spooky and a bit, Ooh, oh, God. And, and that's what's exciting. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'll, I'll, Gonna go and search. I get a lot of people wanting to ask us to sort of go and explore these places. So I'm gonna try and seek out some more scary, mm. creepy places. Um, if you guys have any suggestions, let us know at abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. Keep your stories, questions, comments coming in, guys. We'll be back in the next few days to do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week, and we'll see you to do it all over again right here on the abroad in Japan podcast. Have a good one. Bye for now. Bye bye.
Abroad in Japan is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.